0: What is the minimum minimum things I can do to still make progress and be proud or happy um, or satisfied with what's getting done? And so, you know, with social media, I feel like we're told that we should be posting 3 times a day and using 30 hashtags and doing these kind of stories and that takes a lot, a lot of time. And so with different seasons of life, I've decided, okay, I'm just gonna do, um, I have started looking more at analytics. Like a friend said, um, like what's moving, what's actually moving the needle and putting your focus there. And so, you know, sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm, during some seasons of life, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna post twice a week and that's it. (laughs) Um, Or I've started scheduling just one newsletter a month, and I'll be happy with that. I've connected with people. I've shared information.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Meaningful Money Making Show. Today's guest is Lindy Newburn. She is really interesting. She has a lot going on. In fact, the title of this episode is basically Making a Living doing what you like, being who you are and doing what you do and just turning that into way that you have a meaningful money-making career. So I'm going to read you her bio really quick so we can all get to know her a little bit up front. She's a travel writer. She's an author, a photographer, co-founder of New Venture Travels, where she shares travel tips, conversation starters for the road, and about her family's hashtag New Ventures. Lindsay and her husband Adam traveled the world full-time from 2014 to 2018, camper vanning New Zealand, backpacking in Southeast Asia, traveling Europe, and then camper vanning around the US and Canada. in their tiny Casita travel trailer. You may have seen Lindsay and her husband Adam find their camper on HGTV's Tiny House Hunters. Lindsay has written three books inspired by the lessons she's learned on her world travels, the game 501 Questions, a travel game, her children's book, Puth the Traveling Pelican, and her guide, How to Buy a Camper Van in New Zealand. Lindsay, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Jen. I'm so pumped.
1: Yes. I'm so excited to have you here. So one of the lessons that I learned in business is sharing your mistakes and how you solve those mistakes to help people grow. So this is our inaugural episode of the Meaningful Money Making Show. And the first time I recorded this, I we had a beautiful interview. It was so amazing. It was so interesting. You guys are just going to love Lindsay. But I realized literally the second to last question that I forgot to hit record. <laughs> And Lindsay was so patient. She agreed to come back on. So thank you so much for your patience. And I look forward to sharing your story with the audience again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I had a great time chatting with you the first time. And I'm so honored that you invited me back on after we had our conversation. And um, I'm sure if I start a podcast in the future, I'm going to have that same thing happens. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, mistakes happen in every business. So just remember, like, just get up, back up, try again. And uh, so, yeah, I, I find that when I share things with my audiences that you mess up on, like those are the most important lessons and they're the things you remember. And they're the things you remember yourself, right? Like I'm never, ever going to forget to hit record ever again on this show.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, even with us, even with me writing about our travels, the number one things people are excited to read about are all our mishaps yeah. and the problems we've had. Um, yeah. So that's real life. You know, there's, whenever you're launching something, you know, it's a good reminder that nothing is perfect and, yeah, yeah you got to roll with the punches and figure it out and problem solve and try again sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, speaking of your adventures, tell us kind of a high level overview of what you do in your business.
0: So, I am an author and photographer and blogger, and I share about our travels. I share, um, uh, uh, you know, our gear tips. Um, I'm writing about our favorite travel books right now that we've found. um, Yeah, and conversation starters you know, for while you're traveling, because there's a lot of dull moments, you know, while you're on a road trip or you're at the airport that instead of scrolling your phone or, you know, watching a movie or whatever, we can turn to each other and um, have fun with one another on our travels and those kind of in-between moments.
1: Mm -hmm. Just be humans together for a change.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: So what is the most meaningful thing about your business?
0: I would say, connecting people through the questions that I have in my question game and then in my children's book. Um, you know, so it all kind of started when I was with my children's book, I pose a question at the end, like, what was the biggest lesson you learned from Puty the Traveling Pelican? And I, I put that in there as a way for parents or teachers to connect with the, their kids or students. Um, and I was working at a corn maze and I, I was reading a like a pumpkin book to kids and I asked them what they learned from the story at the end and they blew me away with their answers. So I wanted mm-hmm. to, when I was writing my own children's book, I wanted to put that in there. And then with my, um, and I'm cu- still, like when I go to schools and share the story with the kids, I'm blown away by the lessons that they learn and all the different things that they learned from this one story. They're, they they're amazing. These kids are amazing. So I thought that would be a good opportunity for parents and teachers to connect with um, their students and kids. And then with my question game, um, it really came out of um, Adam and I were on a ferry ride in Greece, and we um, thought we were going to work during the four-hour ferry ride, but we didn't have Wi-Fi. And so we were just like, what do we do? And I had pulled out um, questions from the, the first part of our travels where we were road tripping and we had one of the most memorable conversations, um, in our marriage and we've been married, we just celebrated eight years. So, um, Congrats. yeah. So it, it was amazing to me how just, uh, you can get stuck in the same conversations with people, you know, really well and pulling out, um, new questions, you know, sparks conversation to go to a new, topic or you learn new things about people that you thought you knew really well. And so I I started the question game to, you know, to share those questions with people. And I'm hearing people are learning new things about, you know, their kids or their grandparents. Um, I've learned so many new things about my parents and my, my grandparents. So just connecting people and having people think and chat about things that they haven't, it opens your mind, it opens your perspective to what's possible.
1: Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So speaking of the question game, uh, we thought it'd be kind of fun to have as part of the program where you asked me three of the questions from your book, and then we had your husband pick three questions for me to ask you um, as those conversation starters so people can kind of enjoy that, remember the questions, ask somebody later today, a coworker, a friend, a family member. Uh, So did you want to get started with the first question?
0: Yeah, I do. I'm excited to ask you these. Okay, so this is from the game, 500 More Questions, a travel game. And Mm -hmm. um, there's there's four categories. Would you rather, if you could, tell me about in travel trivia. So I'll start with a would you rather. Okay. Okay, so Jen, would you rather go to the Outback in Australia or Fiordland in New Zealand? And why? Um...
1: So I think I'd rather go to the Fjordland in New Zealand. Uh, first reason why would be Lord of the Rings. Like <laughs> the scenery just looked gorgeous. Uh, my my parents and my brother and his wife actually went to New Zealand and they said it was really stunning and gorgeous. And I, I'm slightly terrified of Australia, like <laughs> with all the snakes and spiders and things that are trying to murderize you that I haven't heard that New Zealand has the same <laughs> reputation. So I would pick I would pick New Zealand.
0: I totally agree with you on everything you shared. <laughs> the <laughs> spiders that you see in photos in Australia freak me out. <laughs> so
1: Yeah, and it's not like like here we have black widows like all the time around my house. That's like that's one thing. Like I still hate it, but it's one thing. But they're just based on some of the stuff I read and it's probably exaggerated because there's a lot of people that live in Australia but it just seems like the whole country is trying to like eat you or kill you (laughs) or maybe both.
0: (laughs) Yeah we camper vanned around New Zealand and it was incredible. The scenery is exactly like your family shared. It's mind-blowing and yeah it's incredible. Um, We we talked about back or um, camper vanning around Australia and the idea of what's there really freaks me out so I totally agree with you yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: maybe some way someday I'll get brave and visit anyways but like I'm scared
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't blame you yeah
1: okay your turn the first question your husband sent for me to ask you from the book is a would you rather question and it's would you rather bike across 10 European countries along the Danube River or walk Spain's Camino del Santiago trail.
0: My first inst- instinct is I would rather walk because biking freaks me out. I I have this fear of like going downhill out of control and scraping my face off. I don't know <laughs> where that came from. I- it probably stems from an experience I had when I was little, you know. Uh, but Adam is a huge biker, and so we. We do have this dream together as a family to bike um, along the Danube River, River, but it really scares me, and it's going to take a lot of courage to take that on because I don't know what's ahead you know, on that trail, and so going yeah. downhill out of control um, freaks me out. <laughs>
1: I, I think he's maybe trying to drop hints then if that was one of the questions that he chose.
0: Like- <laughs> I know. We did a long trip this summer, and it was – it was an eye opener to how much training I, I have ahead of me to be mm. able to keep up with him. So.
1: Yeah. Now I've heard really good things about that. The trail in Spain. Um, there's this lady, her like trail name is Dixie. She has a YouTube channel. Okay. Oh, I wish I could remember the name of it. If I can find it, maybe I'll link it in the, the description. Uh, but she's done the, the triple crown of hiking with that Appalachian trail and the Pacific crest. And then, think maybe there's one in canada or something there's like three really really long trails and then she and her sister last year did that the trail in spain Mm -hmm. and they said it was really fun and her sister for the best of my knowledge isn't really a hiker like she is and they designed it so that you just go and you stop like every day and it was kind of a pilgrimage trail so they kind of designed it so anyone can do it but yeah i think that's what i would pick too i i have not quite the scrape my face off fear, but like (laughs) Yeah, I'm not as good with bicycles anymore as a grown-up, very far removed from my bike riding days as a child.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I am super curious about learning what Dixie has learned on each one of her.
1: Oh, she's amazing. Whoa. Yeah, she does like mini documentaries, basically, mm-hmm. and that shares along the way. And sometimes she'll upload in different things and then do kind of a summary at the end also. And she does all sorts of gear reviews. And mm-hmm. yeah, she's she's really she seems like a genuinely awesome, amazing person, too. Like, I love supporting people like that.
0: Yeah, totally. I need to check her out. So thanks yeah. for sharing.
1: Yes, I will put a link in the description.
0: Cool. That's awesome. Cool. Okay, I'm going to do a if you could question for you. Okay. Okay, so if you could try any extreme sport, which one would you try? Um
1: You know, I don't know if it counts as an extreme sport because it's like in the Olympics, but the ski jump one where they go down the ramp and then fly in the air, like (laughs) it's always fascinated me. And I would probably crash and die at the end. But I think that bit between the crashing and dying and the launching would be really fun.
0: Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm like blown away. I forgot about that sport. I don't know what it's called, but wow that's incredible (laughs) yeah I think it's just
1: ski jumping I think is what it's called but I'm not positive oh my
0: gosh and you have to get your you know your ankles and the skis in a perfect position yeah wow
1: I mean it just it seems like the landings are generally like if you know what you're doing pretty smooth right Mm -hmm. so like if I landed okay and then tumbled a bit at the end maybe it'd be okay as long as you like landed on your skis but like it's not like snowboarding. Like I tried, oh my goodness. So when I was in college, I lived in Reno, Nevada Mm -hmm. and there's ski resorts right there. And they would run promotions for the college students to get passes for really cheap. And so my best friend and I one year decided we were going to do this whole thing. She'd skied in the past. I thought I'd be cool and try snowboarding. I bought a board. We got matching ski jackets, (laughs) like the whole thing. Right. And I was just that whole like not catching your edge and not it was it's mostly falling is what I did rather than snowboarding. And there was this one time like this is my Jen might be blonde story is it was spring, right? And so it was icy. It'd been sunny for a while. There was ice everywhere. So I get off the the rant the 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 chairlift, yeah. and I was so proud of myself because for the first time, I didn't <laughs> fall on my face getting off the damn chairlift. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm laughing because I've done this too. So that's
1: okay. Right. It's just like okay, maybe today's the day. And so I, you know, sit down and strap in properly and then get going. And a little while's down, I fall and I happen to fall on ice. And I'm like, well, that sucked. It hurt a bit. Yeah. It was warm enough that I don't even know if I was wearing my coat, like and I wasn't wearing gloves because it was just a warm spring day. And so I get up and, you know, go down farther to the hill, fall down, and notice there's blood in the snow. And I'm like, Well, that sucks. Somebody's bleeding. Oh. And then I get up, you know, go down the hill, fall down again, notice there's blood in the snow again. It's like, well, that's strange. This person, there must be falling where I'm falling. There's blood in the snow again. (laughs) And I get up, go down the hill, fall down again, blood in the snow, realize it's me that has this nice, because it's so cold. I just didn't feel it. I must have scraped it on the ice. I have this gash in my hand. yeah it didn't quite go like it was a good start and then it just ended poorly but I did indeed think this person must be falling where I'm falling (laughs) (laughs) and didn't even question it at the time
0: (laughs) oh man snowboarding is so difficult when you're learning yeah yeah I've had some like bad head stories too where you you fall hard and just nail your head
1: yes oh my goodness my ski goggles ended up about six foot that way and yeah. my my go- my uh, my hat flew off my head and ended up six foot the other side I'm like I don't even know how the hat came off like
0: <laughs> it's so painful and you really have to like push yourself mentally to get through snowboarding yeah. oh my
1: gosh I only tried one year
0: <laughs> yeah I tried. Yeah, yeah I was snowboarding and the, the last time I went this, I had stopped because I was like on my toes side mm-hmm. and this, I stopped and this guy was coming at me and he freaked out, I guess, cause I was stopped, which I shouldn't have done, but right. he wiped me out. He took, he took out my legs. Like he uh. ran right into my shins. And so, <laughs> wow. yeah, the snowboarding is, is, um is dangerous if you don't know yeah. what you're
1: doing. <laughs> yeah, that always really freaked me out the whole because it's like a metal edge around the snowboard like mm-hmm. as somebody who doesn't do winter sports all that much, I didn't realize until I bought a board that there was like so all I could picture was somebody hitting me in the shins with this metal edge of a, <laughs> a snowboard and like
0: scars. I know, and then yeah. when people are like zipping by you so fast yeah. Because they know what they're doing, and there's so many people, you know, on the slope. It's it's intimidating, so.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Let's go on to question number two for you. So this one is an if you could. Okay. And the question is, would you, if you could, would you be surprised with a hot air balloon ride or a skydiving trip? Which would you rather have between the two of those? Hot air balloon, skydiving.
0: I think... If I were to be surprised by that, I would. I think hot air balloon ride. And I think because um, a couple years ago, I went to the Albuquerque Balloon Festival. Uh And that was incredible. I really want to make that a family tradition. It was, Mm. it blew my mind. They blow up like right there. Yes. in front of you and you, you have to move out of the way for it mm-hmm. to continue blowing up yes. so you've been yeah, well not to Albuquerque
1: but I'm spoiled I was spoiled rotten in, in Reno in that they had the Reno air balloon races as yeah. well yeah uh-huh. And the best part about it was when I, you know, there was two semesters that I had an eight o'clock in the morning class at the University of Nevada. And so that's like when they're launching is right around that time. Mm -hmm. So as I was driving into college, I'd be basically underneath a canopy of hot air balloons uh, which was fun. And they had Dawn Patrol. I don't know if you did that. Oh, yeah. Did they have that at Albuquerque? Yeah. So for those that don't know, it's like five in the morning or something ridiculous before the sun's up. And so they use fire, of course, to heat the air in the balloons. And so they line up usually in most years, it's like five balloons. And then they like Twinkle them so they like light their balloons in different sequences, or they all light them at the same time for photo opportunities. Um, for whatever reason, they usually use the Chariots of Fire song and they launch <laughs> them up into the air. <laughs> uh, and then they just, you see these like lit up balloons rising high into the sky, into the darkness. And then the sun would come up and they'd start doing everybody else's for the actual races, part of the balloon races.
0: Whoa, yeah. that was a normal part of your day. Seeing hot air balloons. That is one, cool.
1: One week a year, yeah. And the coolest thing, I think, my story from that is uh, when I had kids, they were, I don't know how old they were. They were maybe six and eight or something like that. And there's this guy and he had a Darth Vader balloon. that is, oh, yeah. is the head of Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And he was such a cool guy. He loved kids. And so basically, they would kind of keep the balloon tethered. They You would let the kids go on the balloon for free mm-hmm. and they'd take them up. You know, maybe thirty feet into the air, and then bring him back down. So my two kids got to be in the Darth Vader balloon for a little while, wow. and that was just—that was a story that they still remember to this day.
0: Yeah, that is so cool. Whoa. Yeah. Yep. Wow, what a special opportunity. I remember when I was there, Darth Vader went up with Yoda at the same oh, time, nice. so that was pretty cool <laughs> to see. I was there by myself because Adam, my friend had already been, and we I went really early in the morning, and Adam was on a bike trip, and so mm. I was by myself, and I had a blast by myself yeah. at the, the, the balloon festival. It was incredible.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it sounds like really lame. Oh, Balloon Festival, really. But like, if you ever have the chance to go to one, they're so amazing. It's, yeah. it's peaceful and exciting all at the same time somehow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I just felt like a kid again. I was yeah. so excited. Mm-hmm. Like what characters coming up now? You know? That was yeah. so cool. So.
1: Yeah. And if you have kids, a lot of the times, at least the one in Reno, they have these like trading cards or collector cards or whatever. Yeah. And so the kids can run around to all the different balloons and get a card from somebody standing in front of the balloon. So you can like collect them all. And
0: Yeah. So, I didn't yeah. see that. That is so cool.
1: Mm, maybe it's just a Reno thing. But yeah, <gasps> it was the fun thing for them to do every year.
0: And then they have the races afterwards where they have to drop certain things. That's yeah, they incredible. drop bean
1: bags onto a target.
0: Yeah, that mm-hmm. that is incredible. And these pilots travel around the world competing. Yeah. yeah, and they they start from a different area, and then they have to navigate their way to the targets. It's incredible.
1: Oh, how? how do you navigate a balloon like that? Blows my mind.
0: Yeah, yeah, that would be cool yeah. to fig- mm-hmm. to learn how to do that.
1: Yeah, for sure, it'd be really interesting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Okay. Last question on your side.
0: Okay. This is a tell me about. Mm. And okay. Tell me about someone you admire who's older than you.
1: Hmm. Wow. It's awkward when you draw a blank for things. Somebody who I admire that's older than me. Um, I guess somebody that I've been following a lot lately. And just kind of admiring their bravery, bravery and tenacity would be Brett Weinstein. Uh, he has a podcast called the Dark Horse Podcast, and he's part of like the intellectual dark web and like the the whole like Brett and Eric Weinstein and Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris and all those people. Um, and so I really admire the way that he and his wife do their podcast. Um, just their their have very strong opinions but they are very logical they use reason there's like references there's there's a and they don't just uh react emotionally it's like that logic and so Mm. that how to have conversations in with people you disagree with or how to present your thought in a way that's not so combative I think is really lacking in society nowadays yeah um so yeah I think he would be on that list for sure what about you
0: the first person who pops into my mind is, are my parents. Um, mm-hmm. I really admire all that. well, I talk to them every day, so <laughs> I really, well, at least my mom, I admire mm-hmm. all that they've been through and all they've persevered through and yeah. And, and I would say I'm closest to them too. So I've seen, I've seen ups and downs for them. So yeah. parents. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, awesome. Okay, last question for you. Tell me about a time you felt small compared to the rest of the world.
0: I would say, Adam and I were just um, talking about this the other day. We've started doing these, like since we're home a lot more right now, we've started Mm -hmm. doing dates where we just go through seasons of life, recapping memories. And we Mm -hmm. talked about the time where we were in New Zealand and there's this area called Nugget Point and mm-hmm. you um, you walk up to a lighthouse and you have this incredible view beneath you of um, the water on all these tiny islands. And on top of the islands, there's um, little seals playing like you know, parents sunbathing and then the babies are playing in on top of these islands and little nooks and crannies with the water. And, um, and I remember just seeing that. Oh, and the birds were like flying at my head level, like just cruising right there on the wind. And then I remember walking up to the edge and the wind just boom, hitting me Mm. and, I just started crying. I've never been to a location where it just made me start crying. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) And it was one of those moments where I was
0: like, I'm happy if we never go anywhere else. I'm, this is, this is incredible. Yeah. I guess all my senses were, you know, heightened and, and I had that sort of experience. So. Awesome. Yeah. That's mine. Do you have one that comes to mind?
1: Um, I think maybe one of the times that I felt small and kind of powerless in a way, it was, we lived in Panama, which we'll get to (laughs) further on in the show. Um, this whole thing's about travel a lot. Um, and my kids and I lived in Panama and Spain for a while. When we lived in Panama, we lived on the second story of this like condo kind of building and there was a metal roof. And uh, so I was outside cooking because they put the stove in this particular house outside on the screened in deck so the house wouldn't get so hot oh, when you were cooking. Okay. And so I'm out there. It's like a thunderstorm. It hadn't really lightened much, but it was definitely like when it rains, it pours in Panama. It was just like, it sounds like somebody's just using a hose on the roof. It comes down so hard. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was one of those kind of storms that all of a sudden just bright flash huge loud bang it was the loudest sound i've ever heard one of my sons like started running one way in the house and then ran the other way because he didn't know what was coming from the other son like ran down and like laid in his bed uh because he was just like i don't know what to do either and it turns out he actually ran towards the lightning the lightning struck 20 feet away on the other side of the house from where i was cooking underneath a metal roof like i could have died got <laughs> electrocuted uh and so it's just that like moment of like i'm just carrying on normal life and you know a flash of light you know electricity i could have just been taken out like no warning just like uh, and your time's done like that's it oh my so, gosh so it was crazy i have a little bit of um i never used to be afraid of lightning but now i'm a little twitchy
0: <laughs> yeah i can understand why oh my gosh That was so close.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because, like, we went outside the next day and the ground kind of smelled like burnt rubber there. Like, you could see this, like, like a channel kind of in the ground that was maybe four feet long and a couple inches deep of, like, and there was another one a little farther away because I guess the lightning had kind of forked. Oh, Um, whoa. But, yeah, it was crazy.
0: Did your boys see it? Like, were they – did their – um, vision go out for
1: no life? i mean we all saw the flash of light but we weren't facing the lightning it was on the other side of the house and okay. uh the only window there would have been their bedroom or the deck from my bedroom and we weren't in there we were in the living room so but the, you know the light flashed <laughs> all around us of course
0: whoa did you but, guys yeah. feel like a vibration when it hit do you remember
1: i, I don't remember i just remember like Okay, that was close. Like, the lightning struck close. Where did it strike? And we didn't know until the next day, of course, until, like, where it it struck. But there were, like, my neighbors below me lost a television and something else. Like, just from plugged in, they weren't even on. My kids had a... um, Oh, it wasn't an Xbox, but it was some sort of video game system. that It got fried. um, And just, yeah, I just took out a lot of the wiring in the house. Even though it didn't strike the house, it was just close enough that... Whoa! Yeah, yeah crazy. <laughs> Be careful in tropical countries during the stormy season. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah, That's crazy. crazy. So a lot of your work was inspired by travel. So we've talked about like kind of reminiscences about different travel a little bit so far, but kind of give us a brief recap of you know, you started to travel in 2014. What started that and where did you end up going? And then why did you come back in 2018?
0: Yeah. So, well, first, thank you for being willing to play some of the questions. I feel like I learned some pretty cool stories about you and it spanned, you know, snowboarding to hearing (laughs) about your trip in (laughs) Panama and the you know, very close call. That was insane. Yeah. No, it's a
1: cool book concept because, you know, if we pass each other in the streets, we would never know the depth of each other's life experiences. And I think like, especially nowadays when the world's so polarized and we don't see people as humans as much as we used to, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Um, We see each other as labels and identities and whatever. And so having those like, let's draw out your humanity. Let's talk about the stuff that lives in your head that shows no symptoms or anything on the outside is really empowering. So I love that you created that book.
0: Yeah. And I think you also, when you are able to talk through things and understand someone better, uh, you're more willing to understand their perspective on why they have certain opinions or views.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. So kind of our, um, going back to your question, our travels started in 2014, and um, Adam and I we met at the University of Georgia, and then we both moved out to Colorado, and we got married in 2012. And what travel had always been a part of our relationship. We um, we actually first started dating while we were doing a road trip up the East Coast with friends in on our senior year of college, and so. Um, We were always talking about, you know, world travel and traveling long term together and so Adam's biggest question when we would go on hikes and stuff was, Lindsay, when we uh, you know, travel around the world, we're gonna be going for a few years. Can you are you able to pack one travel bag? And that always stressed (laughs) me out because I had no idea. I didn't even like Understand that concept of traveling long term with one bag, and so yeah. Um, so but travel was always a part of our conversations, and then so Adam's an accountant, so he loves talking numbers and you know budgeting and all that. So when we got married, the day after we got back from our honeymoon, we sat down and we decided to uh, put our uh, incomes together, and half of our income would be for our expenses, and half would be. Uh, saving up for our travel fund to travel the world and we didn't know when we would go we didn't know where we would go but we just started we just wanted to start saving up and um and working towards it so in 2014 several thing different things happened that sparked us to say okay it's now or never Um, Mm -hmm. a lot of our friends started um, getting pregnant and we were like gosh we want that in our future." Uh, you know, that looked really exciting. And then, but we still wanted to travel. And then um, a close family member passed away and we went home and, you know, we realized life is really short and we need to, you know, make our dreams happen if we, you know, if we want to do it. And then, um, so we had been saving and a friend borrowed our pickup truck and he, Um, totaled it he was okay but the truck was gone and so we decided to not get a new truck uh, but put that money from the insurance towards our travel fund so that kind of boosted us and we went down to one car and then um, two weeks before we were going to give our notice to our employers Adam was fired so it was like Okay, well, this is these are four signs that now is the time. <laughs> Let's yeah, go. and I had just um, graduated from getting my master's, and then we left, and so we took off in our Honda Accord and then tent camped around the U.S. for four months. Uh, we went to Hawaii and stayed with a friend for a month. That was super cool. Then we um, went to New Zealand and camper van for five months, and then we went on to Southeast Asia and um, backpacked around there. And, um, and then we were, we were missing home. So we decided to come back to the U S but we still wanted to travel. And we, while we were camper vaning New Zealand, we met, um, a couple that had a little camper and we were living in a glorified minivan with a bed in the back and mm-hmm. like no toilet, no shower, no kitchen. Um, we were pulling the mattress back to, you know, cook for every meal. Uh-huh. And they they invited us over to their little camper and they showed us what was possible, you know, with a toilet and a shower and a kitchen. And um, so we decided when we returned to the U.S., we would try to find a little camper to keep traveling in. And so we were, when you travel really fast, you get decision fatigue. It always feels like you're making all these decisions about, where to go next and where you should stay and when you should go and, you know, all those, those logistics decisions. And so Adam had the idea to um, connect with HGTV's Tiny House Hunters to see if they could help us in the process of finding a camper. So we ended up um, being invited on an episode and uh, we found our, our Casita travel trailer. Um, And so that was super cool. And and then we traveled around the U.S. for two years, um, living in our little camper. And what sparked us to um, end our, our travels was loneliness. Uh, so Adam has tax season every year. And um, as we when we were in New Zealand, we had been traveling for about eight months at that time. And we really missed working on projects and being a part of things. And so... Adam started building his CPA business. Um, He started helping friends doing their accounting and taxes that had just started their businesses. And so they were sharing about Adam with their friends who also had businesses. So his business started building while we were traveling. And while we were in the camper, it grew even more. And uh, we would, kind of how we travel is we find a boondocking spot or a place that's less expensive and you can park there for a month and it's, it's less expensive when you pay for a month. And so Adam would be working, you know, six days a week, 12, 14 hour days doing taxes. And it's, it's tax season's actually five, four or five months out of the year. And so Mm -hmm. I found my, and on Sundays, you know, when he wasn't working, he was just fried and didn't want to do anything. So, um, I was by myself a lot the You were of the a tax time. widow. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, I'm really lonely and not happy and we need to change something. So we had been renting out our house while we were traveling and so we decided to return back to our house so we could choose when we were home and when we were traveling and during tax season we would be home so I would be near friends and familiar places and Mm -hmm. (laughs) have options (laughs) so um so yeah that's why we decided to return home and and so we've been doing a part-time kind of travel lifestyle since then where we go off in our camper for several weeks or um, we did a couple months in europe and um, we got airbnbs and and stuff Mm -hmm. so um So yeah, now we're kind of doing the part-time thing and and traveling when we can, so.
1: Awesome. Yeah. So while you were traveling during those years, you just mentioned that your husband started an accounting practice and kind of gradually expanded that over time and did that while you were traveling. Did you have any businesses or work that you were doing to support your travels or did you mostly live off savings and then what he was earning starting his business?
0: So it was a gradual progression from, uh, working from our savings. So we saved up, I think, like $62,000 um, in a year and a half to travel. And and 15 of that we were putting towards our emergency fund if something happened or mm-hmm. we needed to come home and find jobs. Um, we weren't really sure how long we would be going for. And we had been following Nomadic Matt, who...
1: Oh, I love that guy.
0: Yeah. Well, we yeah. he really helped us a lot figure out how to stay accountable to ourselves and our savings. And um, so we did his $50 a day budget. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you only spend $50 a day while you're traveling. So we did that off of our savings. And then, so Adam slowly started, we were living off of our savings. Adam slowly started building his business. And I, I took a while to like decide that I wanted to work because we had worked so hard to not work, to then work (laughs) (laughs) this was not the point yes like didn't we work really hard so we could just travel and not work for this season of life um but then I realized okay if we make income we can travel longer (laughs) yes so, so I started blogging and I got a lot of encouragement from friends and family um that they really appreciated reading you know what I was sharing and so that you know encouraged me continue writing and Mm -hmm. I also was watching um, social media accounts for uh, apps we were using in New Zealand so I reached out to those folks and started working with them on their social media and Mm. and so that was a little bit of income every month and then we were we started getting invited to write for different online um platforms. And so that was a little bit of income. So it kind of slowly started building into writing for me and social media. And so I would say we had a terrible experience buying a camper van in New Zealand. And so Adam had the idea to write like a guide on how to actually do it because it was more stressful than planning our wedding. It was the most stressful week we've ever had Together it's kind of
1: surprising. You think it'd be you just you buy a camper van and it's done, but
0: well, it's very intimidating by buying a car in another country, and yeah. so we didn't know what we were doing, and we kept hearing from mechanics that you know, first of all, New Zealand has tons of mountain mountains, and you know they were calling these camper vans that you know backpackers would buy death boxes because they would buy these junky vans that you know didn't have good brakes or things weren't working right and you know backpackers didn't know what they were doing and would hop in these vans and go and um you know yeah bit, bad things would happen and so so we learned like what to do how to be safe about it so we so we wrote a guide how to buy a camper van in New Zealand and that was really scary to write my first book and put it out there into the world. I was very scared about it. And I actually had to have a coach like coach me through the process to stay accountable to like put it out there because I was so scared to be vulnerable. And, Uh um, but we've gotten really good feedback from friends that we've given the book to and other travelers who have found it uh, so that they can jumpstart their travels in New Zealand and, and just get going in something safe. So so yeah, that kinda of started my writing and then I had a an idea for a children's book about from a dog we met in Bali named Putti. And so I wrote a children's book after that and now the question game. So
1: Nice. Yeah, I think that's one of the main reasons that I wanted to interview you for the Meaningful Money Making Show is the way that you were able to take your experiences and the stuff that you were learning and doing along the way and then convert that from concepts or just what you happen to be doing into this source of inspirational income that allowed other people to learn how to do what you were doing um, and then allowed you to like basically share the the fullness of who you were and what you were doing. Uh, That's that's so awesome that you were able to do that.
0: It is super cool. And I will say that I had guides and inspiration to make me feel like this is possible. (laughs) We Mm -hmm. followed a couple named Mission Rob, and Mm -hmm. they have published a ton of books and they travel the world and are digital nomads. And So they inspired me that, okay, it's possible to publish books. And I also had a friend, a close friend who had just published one. So she was kind of able to guide me in how to even do that. So, Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I love that you, I mean, you talked to your friends about it, especially ones that had done it, but also that you took the initiative to get the coach that like so many people get stuck in the intimidation of a new idea that they really want to try but they're scared or they don't know what the next step is and so rather than just forging ahead and just like trying a bunch and failing which is one way to do that and like eventually you fail enough times that you find success or you you know it's like trying to find something in a dark room eventually if you try hard enough you'll get there just might take you a while but the the coaching thing like that can be super helpful even if it's just a couple of of meetings, just having that, somebody that's been there, done that to lay out the plan for you or like to encourage you or, hey, it's easy. I know you feel scared, but really all you have to do is this step, this step, this step, and you're done rather than this whole overwhelming, crazy thing. We build stuff up to be in our head.
0: Yeah. And it was so nice to have her accountability week by week. So we would create goals every week and then I would have to report back to her on if I, you know, finished those and I was able to talk through these obstacles I was feeling or I couldn't figure out. Um, and she would walk me through like how to problem solve it, you know? And so, and I had already put in so much time writing the book that, and it was to help people and, the more I waited, I, the less I wouldn't be helping anyone with our mm. experience and knowledge. So, yeah. yeah, But so, yeah, having help outside of me is, is, was huge. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I
1: love what you just said about like kind of holding back your knowledge or the helpfulness that you could be giving <laughs> because you're scared is in some ways a little, maybe selfish is too strong a word, but you're not, serving a purpose that you could be serving or you're not doing meaningful work that you could be doing fairly easily just because of that fear that we let kind of hold us back so much.
0: I know. I know. And, you know, when we read books or we're searching for help, we don't expect to see a perfect presentation for it to help us, you know, where we still get concepts from books where we see a grammar error, you know, or something like that. So, it's okay. It's okay Mm -hmm. to not be perfect. I'm slowly learning that. (laughs) Yeah. And I
1: guess this kind of references like the first things that we were talking about when this episode started is the like, do the imperfect action, share what you learned along the way. And it's that to me, like for people that kind of follow in my different groups on social media or that are my coaching students and things, that whole like admission of I'm not perfect. This is what went wrong, but this is how I solved it. Mm -hmm. It's that whole concept of teaching the person to fish rather than handing them the fish of like the knowledge. It's like, this is my process for solving problems. You can implement this same process in your life to solve your own problems. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's even more empowering, even though you have to like humble yourself a little bit and admit that you're not, you know, the guru on the hill that knows everything, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) which who wants to be that anyways, but we, we feel like we have to be that in order to share any sort of knowledge at all.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And one thing I've learned through just trying new things and overcoming my fears, you know, is, okay, what? But also like having big dreams or things I want to do is, okay, what's worked in the past that has made me successful reaching a past goal that Mm -hmm. can help me in this problem or journey, you know? So. Yeah. So yeah.
1: Awesome. So 2018 happens. You decide that it's time to come back stateside. But it sounds like from what I was reading on your blog, one of the first things that you did was crude for somebody that was like running across from one side of the United States to the other. Was that the first thing you did when you got back?
0: Yeah, pretty much. So we got back I think in November of 2015. And so I think I believe he started his his race like early 2016. And so mm-hmm. We were visiting friends and, and family before that, and um, getting our camper actually. But we had met this couple, um, Adam Kimball and Karen, his wife, uh, on Instagram, and we met up in Vietnam. And they, during our meeting at a coffee shop, they shared their plan of coming back, and and Adam. Uh, running across the country and trying to break the Guinness World Record, and we were like, "That sounds incredible! Do you need help going across the country?" <laughs> <laughs> and we had shared we were planning to get a little camper anyway, so we kind of just stayed in touch. And they had really good friends who I think had um supported Adam on his races in the past, and so um, they were on the the crew too. And they found an RV, so we were two RVs crossing the country together. Um, unfortunately adam got injured the first mm-hmm. afternoon and so <sighs> things slowed down but um he finished he crossed wow. the country even injured he was amazing so
1: crazy yeah so did he pay you to crew or were you doing other things to support yourself on that part of your adventure
0: oh my gosh you just brought back memory so so adam w- had a tax season during that time so mm oh my goodness. And I was writing the camper van book. So while we were, so kind of how our days looked is we would wake up, I think at before 5 a.m. and Adam would start at five and then, and then we would, we would go, our little camper would go every five miles. So, and that, and he would take five miles at a time. So Mm. while we were waiting for Adam, um, we would work on, I would work on my book and adam would work on taxes (laughs) Uh uh-huh it was crazy (laughs) that brings up a lot of memory
1: (laughs) oh my goodness
0: (laughs) and i I think i think after that we decided okay during tax season we need to be in one location
1: (laughs) yeah yeah imagine you would it'd be easy to like lose your train of thought or get a little disorganized if you were always moving when you had like such a heavy workload
0: yeah yeah Mm -hmm. But. My Adam, my husband is super organized and Mm -hmm. yeah, he was able to cope with those crazy circumstances really well. I did not, but he did.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you were kind of just supporting him, not really earning from that so much as just like he was, your husband was doing the taxes and you were laying the foundations of the book that you were writing.
0: Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I think I was writing some articles, too. Um, So we also wrote – we were, like, the remote office for Gear Junkie, and so we would write articles for them um, every month, too. So I think that was also supporting us. Got it. Yeah, that helps. So kind of putting things together. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So when you got back
1: stateside, in addition to getting your three books published, which you self-published, correct?
0: Yes, I did through um, Amazon's, uh, it was CreateSpace at that point, but now it's Kindle Direct Publishing, KDP.
1: Mm -hmm. And for your children's book, I imagine there's a lot of illustrations. Did you do those illustrations yourself?
0: No, I found, I put a ask out on Facebook, does anyone know an illustrator? And so a friend shared her friend who had illustrated a children's book. She'd done one before, um, the Traveling Pelican. And so, uh, we were both new at it. So we kind of bartered services Mm -hmm. for each other. So she did the illustrations and I paid her, but also did um, some family photo shoots for her. So yeah, that was, that was really nice to be, to be able to be creative about that partnership.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think especially when you're starting out being like, not being afraid to ask for those barters or to work with other people that are new in what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's about the one step at a time. And so many people try and like jump to the top of the hill rather than the stair, step, stair, step. So Being willing to start that smaller, okay, I'm a newbie, you're a newbie, let's newbie together and get to the next step on the journey.
0: Totally. Yeah. And I believe she has written her own children's book now. So she's done the illustrations and written the story. So that is good. so
1: cool. Yeah. So bartering photography. So one of the things that you started doing when you got back stateside was taking up like portrait photography and family photography. Was that one of your first photo shoots or was it already a service that you were starting to offer? How'd that work timeline wise?
0: That was my... F- so she... Um, her name's lauren Clickner and she had just when we first started working together she was pregnant and then I believe yeah she had her baby like right after she was done doing the illustrations so she is amazing oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, so I did her newborn born photos um, for her little girl uh, you know as a part of um, our partnership so so yeah that was that was a new adventure for me. I remember being very stressed out, but I remember after we did the photo shoots, um, I just was crying, like editing all of her little girl's photos. And I was like, I love this so much. (laughs) This is so special. She'll never be this tiny ever again, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I fell in love with, um, babies at that point.
1: <laughs> nice. Uh, speaking of which, you happen to have one of your own now, correct?
0: Yeah, we have a one-year-old little boy and it's been such a fun year with him. So yeah, nice. a whole new perspective on life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It changes you as a person. It's you you have to become a lot less of a selfish human being when there's a child
0: involved. Oh yeah. You have to be super flexible and, uh, you know, his schedule trumps mine, you know, so I have to figure out when I'm going to do things based on him. So I don't choose. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. So one of the things that I struggle with a little, not in entrepreneurship, but as an entrepreneur, is mm-hmm. I have a hard time having hobbies for the sake of having hobbies. Yeah. Like in my head, I find something I'm interested in and I'm initially attracted to it the way one would be attracted to a hobby. But then my little business entrepreneurial brain starts clicking and the little hamster starts running on the wheel and it turns into the like, oh, and I could do this and this and sell this or teach this. And the, like it turns into this big production when really all I should have is like maybe you should just watercolor for fun rather than trying to like learn how to illustrate or like turning into logos or maybe you should just like have a freaking hobby woman and just Um, enjoy
0: it (laughs)
1: yeah and it's just something that's so hard for me to do as somebody like yourself who basically has made her business and her career a reflection of what you do in your life do you ever like have a tendency to make choices of like I'm going to try this because of the like income or business or book potential, or do you still have the ability to have hobbies?
0: I I am right there with you in how you think about things. I really struggle with finding and ho- finding a hobby that I just do to enjoy. Um, I totally agree. I with my travels, I have really had a hard time separating like our travel side of things and our like personal life it it's been a really hard journey for me in my mental space with that yeah well
1: especially as somebody who blogs what they're traveling like you have to be one of those instagram people to like go and get the photo of the place or like instead of just being a tourist for the hell of it
0: yeah or just trying to figure out what to share or what perspective to share that would be helpful to people, but also do I want to share this for me and my memories and Mm -hmm. our our experience, or do I want to share it to help people? And there's two different ways to write that. Yeah. So, or share it. So I've had a, a hard time with that. So I'm trying, I've still, how many years have we been traveling since 2014? Six years. I'm still, like, having a hard time with that and even learning how to do photography. So when we were writing for Gear Junkie, they had shared with me, like, if you can write and then if you can work a camera, like you're steps ahead of other writers. So I jumped in on um, learning how to do photography from that inspiration. And then I was starting to think about, you know, how I could package writing and photography mm-hmm. together, you know, and, and that kind of thing. And so, and, and the potential that's there with that skill. And so I totally understand what you're saying. And it's funny because Adam and I take turns on, you know, Saturdays, like he'll have the morning and I'll have the afternoon to do whatever we want. And he goes on a bike ride and I'm like, and I end up doing errands cause I don't know what else to do because yeah. I, I'm like, just ha- do something for fun. Like, what do you like to do for fun? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I struggle with that also.
1: Mm-hmm. I bet you that's common. And I wonder if that's just like part and parcel with being entrepreneurial. It's just like that's just the way you're wired and you just kind of have to roll with it.
0: Yeah, maybe we see the potential of a skill we have, you know, and how we can maximize that for ourselves. I think so.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think another part of it is like having a hobby for the sake of having a hobby almost feels like a waste of, maybe a waste of time or a waste of potential, or I could be doing something that would be building this dream that I have. So why would I do something so flippantly just for fun, like, but there's so much I could be doing instead? Yeah. But yeah so as a person who makes their living living (laughs) and and describing that to people do you have a hard time kind of separating your work hours from your living hours like so you can have time to be a mom and not be thinking about business or be a wife and not be thinking about what you should be blogging about or what your next book is about
0: that's really hard and I feel like so Adam and I come from this perspective of we we travel together, we work together, we live together, we do life together, we do everything together. And so we really tried to be very diligent and intentional about like cutoff times and not talking about work, um, you know, after work hours and that you know, that kind of stifles some creativity, but it's also really healthy too. So there, there, I found freedom when a friend, um, we were in like a group of nomadic couples and a French, like she gave us the permission that there's no line when you work together with your spouse and you work from home. Like, um, but I did listen to a, um, a podcast recently where a woman was sharing that she watches Jeopardy at the end of her work day every day and I was like, that's a brilliant idea. Like something like a ritual. Yeah, a ritual every day. And she plays on her phone too. So I thought that was a super cool idea. Like a designated time like it and and like a debriefing time because yeah. we work from our camper. That's well, we were working from our camper and now It's our office that sits in our driveway when we're home and, you know, we just walk inside and then we haven't had time to debrief or decompress. And so, yeah, we're still trying to figure that out. But one thing we have figured out for us as a couple working together is, um, is software that is like this third party. So we're not, we're not jumping in on each other when we're trying to concentrate and ask Mm. random questions. So like Trello
1: or something like that?
0: Well, so I help Adam with his accounting firm um, sometimes. And so we use Jetpack workflow for that. Um, But we have used Trello in the past. Um, Jetpack is just more for accounting firms. But yeah, just somewhere that all the information is stored instead of you having to talk it out all the time. That has been so helpful.
1: I love that idea. I think that's really great for couples that live and work together, or even just like business partnerships. If you're seeing each other all the time, it's it's not I think it probably takes away some of the element of like the naggy feeling that maybe either you feel you're being or the other person feels you're being when it's like, no, we do have to ship that stuff today. Well, it's on the schedule. That's why we have to ship it. Not because I'm telling you.
0: Right, right. it's in a, it's in the software. it's in our project, you know profile, whatever it's the next step. You should have been notified by the software. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think about that for you know families who work together like siblings or parents and kids, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, too and and friends, friendships also. So
1: mm, Yeah, I love that. That is a great tip for even if you're, you're not both entrepreneurs, but just one of you is, or like you said, parents with kids just getting kind of schedules, so it's less of a, a nuisance in your interpersonal relationships.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the, the balance is really tough. And so we're, we're, I feel like we revisit that a lot. And mm-hmm. we try to figure that out. <laughs> yeah ourselves.
1: and you probably will for ever. like it's just life changes and you kind of have to learn to change with it yeah
0: yeah
1: yeah so you have a lot of different things going on between you know like managing and promoting the three books and your photography and then your blogs and all of that jazz how do you keep it all organized so that stuff doesn't fall through the cracks
0: that's a great question Tell me how to do it, please. (laughs) Okay, so, and it's changed now that I'm a new mom, too, and figuring out when to work and how I work. But what I've learned to do is for me, I have asked myself, okay, what is the minimum, minimum things I can do to still make progress? and be proud or happy um, or satisfied with what's getting done Mm -hmm. and so you know with social media I feel like we're told that we should be posting three times a day and using 30 hashtags and doing these (laughs) kind of stories and that takes a lot a lot of time and so with different seasons of life I've decided okay I'm just gonna do Um, I've started looking more at analytics, like a friend said, um, like, what's moving, what's actually moving the needle and putting your focus there. And so, you know, sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm, during some seasons of life, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to post twice a week, and that's it. Um, Mm -hmm. Or I've started scheduling just one newsletter a month, and I'll be happy with that. I've connected with people, I've shared information. And so, so I've come from that perspective. And then I've also time blocked my time. So as of now, we, we do, I do like, well, I've started waking up at 5am. So I get an hour before my son wakes up, I get in, like an hour, an hour and a half his first nap, and then maybe two hours in the afternoon. And mm-hmm. so I, I can't work after he goes to sleep, my brain is just Right. <laughs> yeah so it has to be early uh so i time block so new venture travels will be the five o'clock hour um and then you know and then the morning nap and then new uh new venture cpa will be adam's firm will be the the afternoon nap that kind of thing so i've started nice. doing that
1: time blocking is super useful i think more people should try Try that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. And before I had Weston, before he was a part of our lives, um, I was doing the same thing, you know, I would do like Tuesdays and Thursdays were new venture travels and Mondays and Wednesdays were new venture CPA, that kind of thing. So, Mm -hmm. so you can do it.
1: So I would imagine just based on the way that a lot of people have so much busy work as an entrepreneur, that they like you said, they think is moving the needle, but it's not really doing much. But they're doing it because people told them they had to, or they, you know, they think it's a requirement or whatever. Did you notice any sort of negative shift in your traffic or your profits or anything when you shifted to that? What's the minimum I could do, or was it the case that your business flow kind of stayed the same and you just dumped off a lot of unnecessary stuff you shouldn't have been doing anyways?
0: You know, that's a really funny question and I, or a good one, and I haven't thought about it in that way, but when I focused on just blog posts and newsletters, sending out newsletters, I had the best holiday season I had last, um, last holiday season, and that led me to think, oh, I should improve my question game. Um, it, it, because I had originally written it like here's a bunch of questions that I think are really fun to play with. Let's see if this works. And it was, it's been really successful. So I created the second edition that just came out this past November and yeah, thinking about it back now, it started when I was just being really intentional with newsletters and um, blog posts, you know, every month that, because I was preparing for maternity leave <laughs> because mm. I was pregnant. So, um, so yeah, when, when I became really focused on, okay, what is actually most important that, that helped a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Interesting. Cool. So talk to us a little bit about your strategy now as a mother, Your whole life has shifted. You said, you know, your time has gone from like doing whatever you want, whatever you want to like now I have an hour and an hour and a half and like two hours and that's it. Have your growth plans for the future shifted? I imagine they would have had to, but have you had to like rein stuff in or just be more strategic or how has that shifted your like forward momentum?
0: I would say I've definitely had to. You know, be more intentional and and be more thoughtful about what I'm doing. Um. I got so my perspective right now is that I've been trying to think about is okay, Lindsay. If you were your best friend, what would you be telling them they should be doing Mm. in your shoes? Because I feel like I have this. I feel like you are an awesome idea generator for other people. Like. You shared mm. that in some of our conversations <laughs> with me. <laughs> Thank you. And, and I feel like I'm also that for other people. But when it comes to me, I see the limitations that I have first. Mm. And then, and so I like negate a lot of ideas for myself, I think. Or I mm. don't even have them because I am limiting myself because of my time or whatever. So I guess I'm coming from a perspective recently of, um, if you were your best friend, what would you be telling yourself that you should be doing um, mm-hmm. or ideas you should be having? So I'm I'm really focused on when I have a grand idea, like, oh, I should ask that person if they know someone that my book could be sold in this store, like, make that happen, you know? Yeah. And I'm yeah. trying to, to, to take action on those small items that may be feeling too big, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a really important point. And I think that, I mean, having a business coach is, can be really, really valuable if you oh, yeah. treat it the way that it should be treated. But a lot of the times, I mean, there are business coaches, of course, that will give you some ideas that you might not have thought of. But a lot of it is like, you know, that stuff that you've been putting off doing for the past like <laughs> two years that you know you're supposed to be doing and you haven't done. Yeah, you should do that. And now I'm holding you accountable to it. Mm-hmm. And so having that like best friend or in you know, one of the things I tell some of my coaching clients to do is to name it, name that person. Mm-hmm. And so that you have like the two voices in your head. So in your case, the ones that like best friend character, but to have like that coach in your head that like when you have those ideas like, oh, coach so-and-so. Yes. Or, or if you're stuck, like what would coach so-and-so tell me to do? And it's you. And you know what to do. It just gets stuck in there. You just want to procrastinate or, you know, you'd rather play on the internet or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, you need to be doing it. But then there's the negative voice in your head that we all suffer with. Mm -hmm. And, like, that one I tell people to give, like, a really funny name to. Like, oh, Norbert's at it again. Like, (laughs) (laughs) shut up, Norbert. Like, you don't need to be telling me that. You're such a liar, Norbert. Like, to just separate that from yourself to a degree, too. Because, you know you, of course, everybody has that voice, and the whole point of that voice most of the time is to try and protect us. Like we're trying to save ourselves from embarrassment or messing up or failing or whatever it is that we're deeply afraid of, and that's where that negative voice comes from. It's out of our love for ourselves that we're telling ourselves those things, but sometimes you just don't need to hear it, and so that separation, like giving it a name and and telling it to go away, can be really empowering too for a lot of people that struggle with that,
0: oh, yeah. My my negative Nancy is Carol. Carol. <laughs> <laughs> Carol, get away. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're being ridiculous, Carol. <laughs> uh, I do need to name a uh, I need to need to create a coach name though. So I'll, yeah. I'll be thinking about that.
1: Some people talk to their like future self, like oh. my future self is everything I want to be, right? They're super successful and all of these different ideas I have and they've arrived. And so if you're at that position and you don't know what to do, like, okay, what would future Jen tell me to do right now? Like how oh. how did future Jen overcome this issue to get where future Jen is now? And that can help you navigate also.
0: Yeah, Oh, that's brilliant.
1: Hmm. So what is your favorite thing about being an entrepreneur? Like what drives you?
0: I would say what continues to drive me is the freedom that we found Mm -hmm. in being able to travel and being able to build our businesses. There's, Mm. there's the, the freedom is of choosing where we are, when we are, and when we do our work or when we have fun is is really awesome and I will say it's funny like we worked really hard to have this freedom but we found that creating a schedule is is really good for us so (laughs) we reverted back to the schedule and having a consistent schedule Um, Because otherwise we would wake up kind of lost and not knowing what to do with ourselves. (laughs) Yes, Um, yes. But now it's a choice that we wake up at this time, you know. And so we're making that choice for ourselves. So um, freedom in our own schedule. So,
1: yeah, yeah. it's that balance between, you know, going off the deep end of fun and, you know, being responsible and adulting.
0: (laughs) And accomplishing what you want to, like your big dreams, what you know, you know, having a schedule to keep you accountable is a part of that.
1: (laughs) Yes, for sure. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I would say that.
1: So we are at the part of the show where I have a bunch of rapid fire questions that I want to just go through. You can take as long as you want to to answer them. If you have a couple sentences, that's cool. Uh, But let's get started with the first one. And it's, are you happy?
0: I'm very happy right now.
1: Mm -hmm. As a child, what did you want to be when you grew up?
0: My first thought is a teacher or a salesperson. I was always playing teacher or I was selling the furniture in my parents' living room to imaginary people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> did they, did they like, barter with you or try and get you down in the price?
0: I don't yeah. know. I would always just present the furniture. Well, this one costs, you know, $25. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's awesome that just
0: flashed back to me oh that's
1: amazing what keeps you up at night I mean aside from your son
0: Great. Right. I would <laughs> say I would say all of the things that I would like to accomplish that I haven't yet mm. so
1: if you could change one thing about your business right now what would it be
0: I would really love to learn how to create an app and have an app for my question game so people can pull it out if they forget the book or, you know, when they're together.
1: That's fun. I like that idea. What are your goals in the next one to five years? Business and personal, but mostly business.
0: Okay, for business, I would like to... I have some other question game ideas and I would like to do those within the next year or two years and i would really love to learn how to code hmm. this next year to be able to have the app as a reality and personal goals we would really well a travel goal is to buy a camper van in europe and then keep it there so mm. we can just travel there and explore jump in the camper and explore uh, and then keep it stored there, and friends can take it out if they want. So that's a travel goal we have. And then another personal goal is, um, I've been really curious about um, um, investment properties because when we travel right now, we air we Airbnb our house while we're mm-hmm. gone, and it would be cool to see if we could do it full time um, with mm-hmm. a property. So, I've been curious about that. So that's another goal.
1: Awesome. So what's your big dream?
0: My big dream is to have a life where we have a lot of fun. And I see that being where we can go travel for a couple months and either in the U.S. or, you know, abroad. And where we're spending a lot of time together, where we're enjoying what we're working on. and yeah, just that freedom, that continued freedom to be where we want to be when we want to be and be working on fun and exciting things where we're learning and growing.
1: Awesome. That's my dream. <laughs> what are some practices that you include in your life that help to make your life more meaningful?
0: I would say every morning when I do wake up early, I try to have, I don't know, I call it my quiet time. And so I do a journal that my friend Casey wrote where it's, um, the Lord's prayer and you work through the Lord's prayer. And that gives me a lot of hope every day and also perspective of Mm. what's ahead for me. Um, so quiet time and prayer, um, in the morning. And then I, I try to walk every day. Um, I've lost a lot of weight this year and walking has been the foundation of that and I've learned that it just makes me feel a lot better and I gain a lot of clarity on you know problems I'm having with work and that type of thing so Mm. so walking too
1: awesome if you could give our listeners any two or three pieces of advice what would they be
0: I would say anything is figure outable like you can mm. figure out anything you can google anything yes <laughs> you can connect with people and figure out anything it's figure outable you can do it i would also say do not worry about perfection um put something out there that you're dreaming about and see if it works and just try it out and make improvements as it goes like i did with my question game um and then number three is you can do it. You can do whatever you have in your mind. And, um, yeah, take your next step and, and then take the next step and then take the next step and you'll get there.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Please tell our listeners where they can connect with you online.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Jen. This has been awesome. You've made me think about a lot of things. <laughs> Good questions. Good. Um, if anyone's interested in connecting, I'm on Instagram and Facebook at New Venture Travels and on my website, newventuretravels.com.
1: Awesome. And, of course, all of that's going to be in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Lindsay. Yeah, thank you. That was awesome.